Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we've got our Earth Day special. Yes! <laughs> Earth Day, that holiday of holidays. <laughs> and we're watching Waterworld. <laughs> uh, no one's proud of us at this moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a perfect movie for Earth Day, especially right now during quarantine. You've all seen the uh, the news episodes about how you know the waters are clearer than they've been in years. <laughs> you know, so it's keeping with the message. How's yeah, that? you can see the Hollywood yeah. sign, the Universal sign uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah, environment exactly. Dolphins and whales are coming back to Italy. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, and, the, and the movie had its heart in the right place. Not, none of the science, but its heart was in the right place. <laughs> it had a, its a heart good was message. in a place. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a place. <laughs> we need a map to, apparently. Um, all right, but before we get into our Waterworld review, we need to keep it 100. <laughs> It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, Sammy, why don't you lead us off? All right, so for my keeping it 100, I'll get this started and off I go. I chose Future Shock, the story of 2000 AD. This is a documentary that explores the history and the origin of this longstanding British comic magazine with its roots in counterculture, punk, and anti-Thatcher agendas. Um, It really captures how revolutionary it was for its start in 1977. Uh, This is the comic that gave us Judge Dredd. And I'm not talking about the awful Stallone movie. And they do address that. Um, I really was amazed, though, at the amount of comic talent that got their start. Um, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons... Alan Grant, Brian Bolland, Kevin O'Neill, you know, they were there at the beginning. And then later on, you've got Neil Gaiman and Grant Morrison and Dan Abnett and Peter Milligan. You've got all these writers and artists that come out of this series. Um, a little warning, they do use some harsh language, so you probably don't want to watch this with youngsters in the room. Uh, but it is an interesting look at the cultural differences between comics in Britain and the United States, how that relates to history. So this is available on Amazon Prime. So if you are interested in checking this out, uh, it's Future Shock, uh, the uh, the story of 2000 AD, and that's my keeping it 100. All right, sold. I'll watch that. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. I love a good documentary, especially when you're bringing in some some nerd them there. Yeah, love that. Yeah. And like I say, it was just, it was so cool to see kind of the way it built and, you know, they addressed a lot of the stuff and, and there's a lot of hard feelings against those artists and writers that took off for the States and left them high and dry essentially. So, so there, there's some hard feelings with the publishers and stuff. So it's pretty interesting. So there's some drama, maybe not as yeah. much as Tiger King, but there's some drama. <laughs> Okay. Is, is that your keeping 100, Dwayne? No, uh, it is not. Actually, I, I have not uh, delved into that. Um, I don't know that uh, my IQ could stand it. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be uh, going with the podcast this week. 
and it's actually surprise, surprise, a music podcast, and more f- specifically, a podcast for musicians. Uh, it's called No Guitar Is Safe. It's a podcast by Jude Gold. He is uh, the editor of Guitar Player Magazine. He is also the guitarist currently for Jefferson Starship. He's about 110 episodes in. He flies his chopper, so to speak, to speak to all of these innovative, creative guitarists around the world in the blues, rock, jazz, pop, even uh, you know the uh, the guitarists for the uh, circus de, uh, circus soul, uh, you know Beatles and uh, Michael Jackson shows. There, uh, it's phenomenal podcast. Tons of fun. Uh, each one's a pretty good dive, about an hour. There's a lot of music, a lot of jamming, a lot of carrying on, uh, just a good time. It uh, can get explicit with some of these artists, so you know, be careful with the little ones. But No Guitar Is Safe podcast. And that's my Keeping It 100. Right. We're staying on brand. Good job. Um, okay, very cool. I'm, I'm riding drag on this herd, so uh, here, here's my Keefe 100. The Paper Magician. It's a novel by Charlie N. Holmberg. Uh, it was her debut novel, um, and it's a fantasy novel, um, and it's the world building is, is really what makes this book so interesting. Um, in this world, magic is tied to materials, and so there are paper magicians and plastic magicians and fire magicians and all these different kinds of materials, all these different elements that you, you get. To, but So once you graduate magic school or whatever, I guess you know, knock off Hogwarts or something, um, you get mentored by a magician of one of these materials. And you have to go, you know, be their apprentice for a certain amount of time until you, you know, finish your schooling. So this, uh, the main character gets sent off to study with a paper magician. She's real uh, unhappy about it. She resents it. So she meets her mentor. They hit it off. Drama ensues. And it, it's a great time. The main character has a, a really uh, uh, fun voice. Uh, she's, you really get to like this character. Um, she gets in over her head in a hurry. Um, and there's a lot of intrigue that, that comes about. Um, it's a short, fast read. And it's got a little bit of a Princess Bride feel to it. Not the sort of meta stuff, but it's like a lot of different genre bits get thrown in. You've got some romance, you've got some action, you've got villainy, you've got magic, you've got humor. Um, there's a lot, you know, sort of stuffed in there. And it's a really good time. And it's, uh, I'd say a YA-type book. You know, probably nobody young, nobody outside teenage years, you know, younger than that. But anybody teenagers and up, Paper Magician would be a great time. Hmm. Who's that author oh. there, if you don't mind again? Charlie N. Holmberg. And I think there it was an original trilogy, and I think she's went back and written a prequel. So there's four books now. Okay. But it but it's finished. She's went on to another series now. Well, that's neat. I'll check that out. I've been looking for a good book to delve into. I was hoping this week my Keeping It 100 would be uh, the Robert Jordan series, Wheel of Time, but I started digging into that, and it was not happening. So. <laughs> Well, uh, I would I would say that one Robert Jordan book is the size of all four paper magician books. So, <laughs> and, and that's a lot more digestible for someone, you know, with a life. Oh. And I and I would recommend. I know this is extra time here. I'm stealing, but I would recommend the audiobook. the uh, The narrator is fabulous. Awesome. I, I would I would I would definitely re- listen to this rather than read it. The narrator is that good. Well, 
Awesome. I love a good audio book. Yeah, I love a good audio book, audio production. I'm sure you can't tell by my keeping it 100s, but I love good audio production. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, guys, why don't we go ahead and dive into our opening thoughts and grades within this water world. Hi, Dwayne. What do you got, man? <laughs> well, uh, this, uh, this movie, uh, this epic... <laughs> Kind of, I uh, hesitant to even call it a movie. <laughs> kind of, kind of came out uh, in, in the mid '90s, 1995, and as you can tell by a lot of the production design, uh, the hair, the the acting, um, the view of the climate, um, you know, sort of sort of hippified there and sort of uh, out there. But uh, they they really they really had a lot of hype about it being filmed you know in the middle of the ocean all this big production went into it but uh did they make it or not guys i still don't know i've seen this movie since 1995 quite a bit even this week i don't know if they still made it into the epic they wanted to make it i'm going with a c plus okay <laughs> seems to be more where i'm landing there it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's worth a watch just because it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I'm, ne- you, buddy. I'm, I'm next. Um, it's not a great movie, um, but it's not the mess that its reputation would have you believe. Um, I think it's an. Ah, I'll give my grade in a second. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's an ambitious. It's it's an ambitious movie that doesn't stick the landing. Um, yeah. Not not entirely. I think there's parts that work. There's some parts that work really well, mm-hmm. and there's parts that I would like to unsee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do admire the attempt. They 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 aimed big here, um, but they kind of just ended up with a big dumb fun movie. <laughs> 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 they were aiming for a lot more than that, but that's what we got. And I'm giving it a B minus. Uh, I like this movie. I know what it is. I know what it's not. I still like it. B minus. Okay. All right. So, you know, we we talked about this movie and its scope, right? This thing had a budget of the time, you know, of $175 million. In 1995. In 1995, okay? It grossed $264. So it made its money, but not a whole lot beyond it okay it was considered a critical and financial bomb but i think since then it has garnered some uh, almost cult classic status okay i really do uh i think you know i kind of apply it to another cult classic right that that its budget and, and its gross you know trauma is the toxic avenger you know that, that's kind of the way I, I connect this movie right it, it's got a clear message. Waterworld has a clear message. But, um, you know, and I appreciate what the directors and the screenwriters were attempting. But um, I think all that gets a bit mired in the problems. So I'm giving it a C-. minus. Mm. All right. So I'm going low grade this time. So. <laughs> well, I'm not the low baller this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, I've taken a... Um, a page from Dwayne's book, and I'm thinking critically about this movie <laughs> as I'm wearing my smoking jacket and having my pipe. <laughs> well, I'm going to get my cigarette holder out. So. <laughs> well, Sam, I see you there in the actor's studio, and as we, I've prepare, got two ferns. 
<laughs> Just don't go to the 10 questions. So. All right, well, let's... Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, just let's take a small break before we start, uh, you know, getting into our fan and pan section of this movie. Oh, well, I'm leading off here with the fans um, of this movie, uh, and, and I'm surprised I had the middling grade here, especially with the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, the thing that I, that I like most about this movie, the thing that really strikes me is uh, the exact thing that, I, that, that we've all expressed during our fans. This thing swung for the fences. The heart and soul that it put into swinging for the fences. Like I said, it's hard. I, I don't know that it, Jamie, you said it perfectly. It, did, it didn't quite stick the landing. You know, it really uh, just, just this big, massive epic. And you have, you know, so many elements that they're trying to blend in here. You have, uh, you know, the, the epic scope. You have, uh, you know, they, they even try comedy. At times, they eat, you know, of course, there's action all over the place. You have the awkward kind of, you know, pun intended Kevin Costner character being a fish out of water. Uh, you have, um, you know, kind of the familial awkwardness, you know, of the family unit of him and Helen and uh, uh, the young girl on the boat, uh, you know, just kind of being out of his element and then just kind of messing up his flow. Uh, but, you know, there's so much here. You got the smokers, the drama there. Dennis Hopper being this almost religious zealot character, uh, almost like a, an evangelistic kind of a person. And, you know, this whole big thing. And then they're talking about the environment on top of it. You know, and then they're talking about evolution. They're talking about human relationships and prejudices and things. I mean, so, you know, they really went for it. And that is the thing that I appreciate most about this movie is, is, is every time I watch it, and it's so long, I, I, I always forget how long it is when you sit down and watch it because I forget pieces of it because they just don't stick with you, you know. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that part when they kind of addressed this thing. You know? And uh, But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good, uh, it was, you know, they're uh, – just their scope, just they swung for the fences, you know, and, and whether they landed it or not, whether you like it or not, you know, they at least, you know, shot for the stars. Same at your place. You know, I think for me, you know, as a comic book fan, I can appreciate certain parts of this movie. Okay. I can appreciate Kevin Costner as the anti-hero, the off-brand Namor. Okay. I, I kind of appreciate it. You know, they even call him a mutant. So there's a lot of comic book stuff. I like there's a little bit of tied to mythology. You know, the concept of the aquatic race, you know, maritime stories, you know, back for Odysseus and the Sirens, uh, Han Christian Anderson's The Little Mermaid, you know. And, and a lot Hell of that of stuff story. is, yeah, a lot of this is pulled into this movie. You know, as Dwayne said, you know, there, there's a little bit of Darwinism uh, and a little bit of uh, a dash of Stan Lee, too. You know, so, I mean, there, there, there's so much that goes into this. And, and to me, it, it all kind of culminates with Costner and the character of the Mariner. 
and you know all of that kind of plays you know thinking literature rhyme of the ancient mariner uh do you guys think it was was meaning that you know had a meaning that the little girl's name was in nola i just i didn't know i was wondering about i was thinking about the nola gay and that's the, all i could think of yeah and then, i mean i didn't know if maybe that's why they chose that name if there was a reason behind it but but like i said i just think there was a lot of good stuff going on um as a, like I said, comic fan, I get a bunch of it, but you know, it got lost a little bit, I think. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a fan. But uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm just after your C minus grade. I'm just glad you have a fan. Um, I do. I do. <laughs> I know you don't like this. This is light years better than Flash Gordon, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, fan. Um, uh, th- this is a weird one for me, but like, um, I like that this is supposed. I, I like the skeleton of this thing, you know. So the like the 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 skin, the flesh on the bones. It's a post-apocalyptic story, you know. You know, it's kind of sci-fi. I know that science doesn't work at all. It's heavy on the fire, light on the sci. <laughs> um, um, but I, it has the it has the skeleton of a western in it. If you think about it, like like the man with no name. The mirror is not a name. That's a title. He never has a name. He's the drifter that comes in from the wilds. Um, Comes into town. There's a big showdown. He leaves. It's got these two people stuck to his hip that he has to take care of for a while. They, he's this you know stoic, you know gruff guy who doesn't like them. Gets a soft spot for them. They get captured. He has to go get them. Uh, goes on a big rescue mission. He has to stalk and do, do the whole thing. And then when it's time to settle down, he can't settle down. He has to go back to drifting. Um, so, so it's kind of like a Mad Max ripoff with like Clint Eastwood in the center of it. Shame, um, shame. <laughs> some, some Jeremiah Johnson there too. I mean, um, I, mean I, she's, I, I like. She's I like, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the way I saw, and I, I like the structure of it because it is clearly like you know a wet Mad Max, you know, kind of. I mean, that's what it is. Um, but. But I like the, the the western at the heart of it. I mean, I just I enjoy the structure of the story. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, I think honestly, I think that all three of us were dancing around that same thing. You know, it, it's that the, the the meanings there in this movie, the structure, as you said, it is there. It's just there's no payoff. It doesn't stick the landing. You know, and I think that that's where I think maybe it'll come into some of our fans. But but they've got a good skeleton. I agree with you completely. Yeah, I'm just trying to picture Thunderdome with the smokers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the I mean uh, you know Deacon's uh, lead henchman kind of did have Tina Turner's hair. <laughs> <laughs> that hair is something else, man. That's an extra pay, and I'm gonna not even complain about. You have that yeah, every time he came on, on, I kept going. Haven't I seen him in like a barbarian movie or something like that? <laughs> or something like that? Yeah, that was. I was like, Sabretooth? <laughs> X Men? <you> know, <laughs> Def Leppard? I mean, who's this guy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, before we uh, really get into beating this thing too hard, let's go to the kitchen, wait there, and see if we can get our pans. All right, Captain C minus, you get to go first. What's your big thing? <laughs> All right, um, you know I think the best way I can describe Waterworld to anybody is this movie is schizophrenic. 
It doesn't know what it wants to be. Uh, it's a po it's a post apocalyptic steampunk cowboy pirate movie. Okay, <laughs> and that, that's I was trying some way to really boil that down, but that's exactly what it is. It's a steampunk cowboy pirate movie with um, Jack Black. With Jack Black, yes, a very early role for Jack Black. You got it. Um, and I would say that's where everything goes awry, but there, there's so much more. Um, you know, I think the plot loses its vision. Uh, because it's sampling from so many genres and it's mashing them all together, you know, you, you, you're not sure, you know, like Jamie said, talked about the, the Western side of it, you know, and then you've got the swashbuckling pirate side of it. And then you've got the, the sci-fi fantasy type of element and, you know, the mythology elements. And it's just, it's all over the place. It, it's, it's like a casserole of a movie. This is a potluck casserole of a movie. And, and I think really that's why I went C minus on this. <laughs> that's perfect. Kind of like Hobo Stew with a couple of boots thrown in or something. There you go. Right. There you go. <laughs> well, well, stone soup and moving on. <laughs> All right, uh, Jamie, what about you? What's your pain, my friend? Okay. When they reveal that the D's is the Exxon Valdez, I get angry. Oh, that's it's my so, most favorite thing ever. No, it's, <laughs> I, it's, it. I hate it so much. God, I love that. It makes me so angry. It doesn't it just, work. It just shows you how how wrong this movie is. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, we're just going for the most wrong thing, and, and this is it. <laughs> okay, so so the one like oil boat that lasts for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's the most famous for crashing. It's already crashed. <laughs> it could have been the Titanic. <laughs> oh my gosh. But think about how much it dates the movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, anybody who's like six months younger than me has no idea what that, that, that like reveal it. is nothing to them. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. I mean, it's just so dumb. And I hate the smokers. I hate everybody on that boat. The smokers are dumb. The Exxon Valdez is dumb. I mean, like, every, like even the characters that don't like, 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 even if you don't love some of their characters, like, you get why they're doing what they're doing. Like, the elders who want to, like, throw, it, throw the mariner into their, you know, regeneration suit there. Like, you get, like, hey, if life is that tenuous, like, hey, you're going to be worried about strangers. Like, you can kind of, like, see their logic. What do the smokers want? <laughs> what are they about? They just want to keep the Exxon Valdez floating and worship Captain Joe. It's so dumb. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. When that reveal, even this time of watching it, when that revealed that it was the Valdez, I was like, yeah, I forgot that was so great. <laughs> I, I mean, I like this movie. I really do. I think it's got a really good heart to it. But every time when they, when they start calling it the D's, I thought, oh, that's right. No. <laughs> you know, that, that's a part I forget every time. And then when I see it, I'm like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who I thought that was a good idea? That's, I mean, that's what even, I was thinking. You think it's the D's, you know, for D's <laughs> boat. You know, it's D's boat. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's like even calling them smokers. 
you know, at first you think that, oh, it's because of all the machinery, the smoke. But then you just see that they're smoking cigarettes, one after the other. I mean, he's throwing them a tribute even. <laughs> and, and, and you think about it, like, this is supposed to be hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. How does the Exxon Valdez still have nine feet of oil in the bottom of it? How do they still have filtered cigarettes? How do they have meat in cans? I mean, yep. it's so dumb. Everything that happens on that boat is stupid. Smeat. Oh my gosh! Spam. Yep. All right, I'm done. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> you know, there there's so many things that that kind of eat at me with this movie. Uh, one of them being, you know, zip lines and bungee cords. But one of the things that brings me out of this movie every time, it really just 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 the difference, but in the appearance of shots that were shot in the real world, and then that were shot in studio. It's like two completely different movies were made and then trying to be put together. And that really adds, like Sammy, you said, to the schizophrenic nature of this movie. It can't quite figure out what it's going to be. Is it this grimy, gritty real world thing? Or is it this really super polished, made up in studio appearance? Uh, that is one of the things that really, really jerked me out of this movie. And makes me realize, oh, that don't fit together because the story don't fit together because these visuals are jarring me, you know, and, and it's making me right. realize, stuff. you know, you can't get lost in the movie, you kind of lose yourself. But but what what if? I mean, just do a little bit. I don't I don't know how this script got <laughs> shot the way it is. Yeah. But what what if you just give the smokers a good motivation? Like yeah. it's not the Exxon Valdez. It's like you know something else the majestic something or other whatever any any other name and they're and that they've got a motivation they need to find dry land because they are running out of oil and their way of life is about to end and so they're desperate to survive so yeah. give them a better motivation and, and we can and we can we can forgive a lot of that other stuff yeah, yeah I think so. you know and i would even forgive a lot of stuff if we found out how enola got the tattoo got where she was and helen don't know it because is 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 she her biological mother, or did she just find her and was taking care of her? You know, because she refers to herself as her mother through the movie. Well, I think. But then you see the tattoo uh, shop in you know on Dryland when they get there finally. They're like, okay, did you go to Dryland, pick her up, and then try to bring her back? And then, oh, I forgot what this tattoo means. Or did they set her adrift for someone to find her? Did you get I think, with some? Would you I get think with I know it was supposed to be Moses. Her? Yeah. They yeah, put her in a basket and threw her out in the ocean. <laughs> now, I, I may be wrong, okay, as far as the tattoo thing, but I believe when they when they get to dry land and you cut, there's like aboriginal uh, tattooing. Yeah, yeah, you stuff see there. the stuff there. We see that happen, you know, but but whoever tattooed a baby definitely has some issues before they <laughs> throw them out to the ocean, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, were they just having babies and tattooing them and throwing them out and seeing who well, catches well, who? And I guess Hopefully that's why I was upside down. Them. She kept squirming and they couldn't get one side, you know. Stay stuck. I can't get this tattoo on you. <laughs> Maybe they had to stop in the middle, change a diaper, flip her back over, and they got her backwards to do the north and south part. Yeah, so to do the... <laughs> well, hey, parenting's different in the future. Remember, it's never too early to start smoking either. 
There you I go. Mean, <laughs> you're never too young to start. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's go grab some awards for this hot mess of a tr- of a dumpster fire. <laughs> Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Okay, well, back with our awards, and uh, we uh, are starting off with one of our staples. Sammy, you lead us off here with best performance. All right. This is tough, but just because of the way he does it, I'm going to give best performance to Kevin Costner. Okay? Um, As the Mariner, he does what he can with what he's given. All right. I mean, that's the only way to explain it. He does his best. Um, even when we, the audience, knows that this movie is off the rails in a scene, he's playing this part straight as an arrow. You know, he is trying his best to make this character grow and change from the beginning of the movie to the end. He's trying to create an arc that I don't think is really there. Okay. And he's trying his best. And, and to me, I can buy that. And that's why I give Kevin Costner, the Mariner, the best performance. Now, see, I'm going to have a little trouble with that because isn't this the era when Kevin Costner was writing, producing, and directing a lot of his own movies? Well, he produced this one, but he did not write it at least. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, so now that I've said that, Jamie, why don't you wrap up our best performance? Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Sammy, but undermine his point. Um, yeah. <laughs> because um, this was the last of the Kevin Costner, Kevin Reynolds, you know, team up. Um, they had made this was their fourth movie they had made together, and apparently Kevin Reynolds got fed up with Costner at some point during the making of this movie, and he left. He quit or fired. People had told different stories. Um, Kevin Costner directed a large chunk of this movie himself. Okay. And so, so you were giving him credit for making the best out of a bad situation. He was in charge of the bad situation. <laughs> That's why I was faulting him. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure, but I, but I see. I think that for the what the what the character was supposed to be, what they needed him to be, he was kind of doing that. Um, you know, man with no name, Clint Eastwood, stoic. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, unfriendly, gruff kind of guy. I think he does a good enough job with that. Right. Um, like there's those few moments where he'll like where he's, he's starting to connect with Anola and you get that quirk, you know, of the you know, the edge of the lips where he's starting to smile, but still not even comfortable with that. Um like the moment where where he is I don't know, a nice way to put it, has <laughs> has put Helen out to, you know <laughs> to to work. And 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 it bothers him, right? And so he goes to rescue her from that. You can see some like so he's doing that like, you know, this disassociated guy, but he shows just the right amount of emotion to stay in, stay in character. I mean, I, it's not a great performance, but I think mm-hmm. he's probably the best one in. I think Gene, Gene Triplehorn does a good job too, yeah. but I, but I think Costner does the best job in the movie. Well, I think you guys are both wrong, and I blame you both, uh, Kevin Costner's for this uh, movie. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the right answer here, and with uh, Dennis Hopper's Deacon. <laughs> 
<laughs> you said it with a straight face and everything. <laughs> Dennis Hopper being a guy to take, I think, any direction he's given and going at it 120%. You think he was directed? <laughs> I think I think they said you're a crazy, insane um, leader of these crazy, insane people. Have at it. And he, he just, he is always a sight on the scene. Over, over 75% of what comes out of his mouth is it's either genius or stuff I say every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with Dennis Hopper uh, as far as best performance. So, you know, this movie, you know, is such massive scope, has so much action. So much drama, so much little different things. Jamie, what do you think is the best scene? Okay. Um, I, I'm going to couch this a little bit. It's not a great scene, and it's straight up ridiculous, but it's the attack on the atoll. Um, I mean, there are attack water ski jumpers. <laughs> I mean... There are underwater jet skis. Mm -hmm. There's weird, what you know, steampunk gates. Um, but the but the tension around the Mariner and everything, like him slowly getting dropped into the recycler goop yeah. area, and then the tension with Enola and Helen wanting to escape. So I buy all that stuff. It's really effective, but everything happening around them is so over the top and ridiculous. You got the big guy with the big guns. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's the wild, mask with the big nose on it. <laughs> I think he oinks a couple of times. He snorts, <laughs> sticks his tongue out. Yeah, but <laughs> but it's it's over the top and it's bonkers. But like it's well shot. It's exciting. And I watched this movie when I was fifteen, and I can't not see it with fifteen year old eyes anymore. And I just thought all this stuff was awesome. So <laughs> it's still kind of awesome. That's my best scene. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That I'm going to second that. I'm going to second that emotion. <laughs> and that was my best scene too. The first attack on the atoll, you know, from the time that that it starts. You know, you got the guys with the flags. You've got the water. You know, you got the airplane. You've got the water ski jumpers. You've got the crazy, insane, mildly mentally impaired scientist uh, accidentally <laughs> setting off. The uh, hot air balloon. <laughs> you know, you've got you know this whole big situation is so ridiculous. I'm gonna sneak in a little cheat here. I love the guy with the guns, and he's sitting there. And then when Kevin Costner starts pulling him around toward toward Deacon's boat, hey, what's what's that cousin's name? <laughs> I love it. How ridiculous. And you know, and this was so so over the top that it got turned into a water show at Universal Studios <laughs> for many, many years. I don't know if you guys remember that. But you could see commercials for it on different movies after this. Where come to Universal Studios? It's still there. Still there. Okay. Yeah. It's and they would have there. the guys. They would have the guys diving under with the jet ski, shooting up out of the water, and the and the and the, 
ski jumpers. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> oh, mercy. You know, as far as my scene, I, I went with a, a smaller scene. Okay. I, I did. Um, I thought that the scene where we see the Mariner teaching Enola how to swim yeah. was such a touching scene. And it was such a change of pace to what we had, had seen in the movie up to this point. And it's almost like this is where you start seeing him begin to regain some of his humanity, I think. He starts to care about somebody. Um, and, you know, uh, Tina Majorino was obviously a child actor at this time, but she just plays this scene with so much joy. And she just looks like she's having so much fun in the water. And But, but I just think it's a touching scene. And so that, that I had to go with that for my best scene. Yeah, I love her, and I love that her career has kept, you know, blooming and blossoming. She's a, she's a beautiful young actress, and she's such a lot high point of this movie. You know, just just her little spunk and attitude. I love it, and you know, the, the teaching her to swim comes up later. It's one of the few things that are carried through, you know, from from scene to scene. At the but, end of the movie, when she's stuck in the water and he goes to pull her up, she says, "I was swimming. I was swimming," and he says, "I saw." You know, <laughs> but that. That might have been the right answer if there had been attack jet skis or attack, you yeah, know, yeah. ski jumpers. I mean, yeah, during the it's hard, to, it's hard yeah. for the best scene not to have the attack ski jumpers. In. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, that is, right. <laughs> the, the water show element. Well, she got up on his shoulders, right? And he put his arms out. And yeah, that could have made that scene better. <laughs> Oh, that, that could have made it seem better. But, you know, of, of speaking of characters, all of the characters in this movie, from the Mariner to Deacon to Enola's character, the best character. Who portrayed the best character in this movie, guys? I think I've got the right answer, so I'm going to jump in here. It's the uh, it's the old man in the black sludge. <laughs> That's that I, I crack up every time. I mean, he has just a couple short, you know, small scenes. I, I crack up every time he, you know, he opens the opens the thing and he's like, "Oh, light," you know, and he's like falls back. You know, when when Deacon spits in the oil. <laughs> I like when the flare drops in. He sees it coming. He's like, "Oh, thank God." Well, that, that'll come up. That'll come up shortly. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come up shortly. <laughs> oh, mercy. Okay, so, so Dwayne, this is where I kind of flip with what you'd said on best performance. My best character is Deacon. Oh, uh, Sammy. <laughs> because he is just so over the top, I think it's a great balance for the stoic mariner. So they're two so diametrically opposed personalities uh, and, and Deacon is just your standard mustache twirling villain. I mean, he yeah. really is. You know, Jamie, and, and Jamie's exactly right. I mean, he has he has no real motivation. He doesn't really explain anything, but he's just so over the top and funny. Um, and, and just actually, this morning I was watching and just and it ties to this watching an episode of DC Daily, and Brian Michael Bendis was on there, and um, Bendis had a severe eye infection that set up a MRSA in his, uh, I think, left right eye. And now he has to wear an eye patch sometimes. Uh, 
So they're giving him a lot of grief over this eye patch. And he goes, well, I guess I'm just ready for my part in Waterworld. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he's bald. He's got the eye patch. He's thinking about Deacon, you know? And and the only last thing I have to say about Deacon is um, he should have been playing Globulus in a G.I. Joe movie. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Best character. All right. Um, Well, he may come back up again in a little bit. Well, I'll uh, tell you what. I would only accept an eye patch if my eye was in such a bad shape and they tried to make a fake one that looked as bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, boss. I like it better than your real one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Um, I I think for best character, I'm going to go with Helen. Um, I find her to be really compelling and believable. Um, I think Gene Triplehorn does a really good job as far as the performance. Um, but I like that, you know, she's not superhuman. As far as I can tell, she's not even good at anything. Yeah. <laughs> There's no actual skills. Um, but there is, she is willing to do literally anything to keep her adopted daughter safe. Um, and in this world, I would, I would imagine adoption is not real popular. I mean, life is at the brink nonstop. And so to take in a kid when you can barely feed yourself, barely keep yourself hydrated, to take in another person, you don't have to. Already said something about her. And that, I mean, she's willing to sacrifice her body. Um, she's willing to abandon her people. She's, she's willing to kill people. She's willing to jump in the ocean with no hope of rescue for this kid. Um, and I find that really compelling. Um, I think Helen's my favorite character in this thing. I don't know about base character. I don't know if there really are any great characters in this movie. Willing to grab a harpoon and shoot an airplane? Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's a good idea or not, she'll do it for, you know, for Anola. But... <laughs> All right. So, best quote is our next one. And Sammy, you're up first. Where you got me? All right. So, I had to give the best quote to Enola. Okay. He doesn't have a name. So, death can't find him. People, that's about Clint Eastwood as you can get. <laughs> yeah, I my my tablet just reset, but I went with that whole monologue she does there, and I'm trying to pull it up. Um, oh no, technology's failing us, guys. Uh, he doesn't have a name, so death can't find him. He doesn't have a home or people to care for. He's not afraid of anything, men least of all. He's fast and strong like the big wind. He can hear 100 miles and see 100 miles underwater. He can hide in the shadow of the noon sun. He can be right behind you and even know it till you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's totally man with no name, right? Yeah, or, or Liam Neeson from Taken or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good one. Now I, I mentioned the old man coming back up later. And my favorite quote is his: "When the flare goes down, and you know, and he knows his time is over, and just like me, when the time was over with this movie, I said, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and the sad thing is, this is it's a thing that I enjoy. It's 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 a movie I do enjoy. It's it's on my shelf. I was bragging about having it on VHS. <laughs> You know, so it's been on my shelf for that long, and I've kept it. I've kept technology to play some of those old VHSs I have. But, yeah, that, uh, and like I said, that old man, he just cracks me up every time he's on the screen. And when he says that, I was like, yes, I get it. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a runner-up that will help us transition into the, uh, the next award. Um, when Enola has been captured, 
And Deacon is trying to like pretend he's a nice guy. He's trying to be good cop for a second. <laughs> he offers her a cigarette to cheer her up. <laughs> this is nothing better than a smoke to, 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 for when you're missing your mom. Never too young to start. <laughs> so bad. Uh, so that, that'll be our transition to our next award, which is the best. I know it's bad, but I still like it. <laughs> and so you guys have praised this guy, like, honestly. Um, I'm going to give my word to Dennis Hopper's performance. <laughs> it ain't good. You all were like being nice about it and saying you liked it. It ain't good. He's probably not proud of his performance in this movie. He tries to pretend it never happened, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's so just bonkers. Just mm-hmm. so insane, over the top. If I found out he was on something the entire filming, I'd believe it. I still kind of get a kick out of it, though. <laughs> Yep. Jamie, this was mid-90s Dennis Hopper, so I'm sure that's a safe assumption. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he probably got indigestion from all the scenery he chewed in this movie. I mean, it's a crazy performance. But, yeah, that, that's my best. I know it's bad, but I still like it. I get yeah. a kick out of Dennis Hopper. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I want to jump on next uh, with uh, mine, uh, The Water Battles. I mean, they're so ridiculous. They're so over the top. Boats, sailboats, motorboats, boats powered by oars do not behave this way. (laughs) Um, And, you know, how coordinated do these guys have to be, you know, with their gymnastics and things for the ski jump, you know, Olympics (laughs) over the atoll. Uh, it's it's those are it's just ridiculous, and I know that this is like so cheesy and so bad, but it's still so much fun to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. When, when they're blowing up, you know, when they're Michael Bay and everything. <laughs> See, I um, my wife refused to watch this with me entirely. She found something else to do, but she came into the room before it was over, and the scene where they stick the oars out of the side of the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> she's like. They're powering that boat by rowing it? I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you know, and how ridiculous is it that he's like, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, invent zip lines and bungee jumping to save the day, you know, to catch up with this plane and, you know, here, tie this off. I'm going to jump off without it tied. It, and it just happened to be the perfect length. <laughs> happened to be a bungee jump, a bungee cord, this exact length, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Sammy, what's your thing that you know was bad, but you still like? All right. So, you know, we we get this idea that the Mariner is a mutant. So he has some aquatic abilities. So the scene where he's swimming and rockets out of the water like a penguin or dolphin, okay? (laughs) And just pops up out of the water onto the boat, okay? I've been to Ripley's Aquarium. I've seen penguins do this. It's kind of funny. Um, and, and, and I know it's, it's goofy and silly, but I get cracked up every time, and I still like it. It still makes me laugh. So that'd be mine. Yeah, the, the gentleman guppy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good quote, too. <laughs> All right. So our last award is the best. You know, that actually holds up award. Dwayne, did you have anything? I do. I love the design 
and functionality of the Mariner's boat. I think that's something that could, you know, that that did stick the landing. That that the, the hero boat, you know, uh, has the the automatic sails. The, uh, you know, there is able to, you know, like with the the the, uh, you know, what you call them, the uh, South um, Pacific tribes. You know, with the with the boats with the pontoons, mm-hmm. and they would trimaran. Lean to one side, and it would, you know, yeah. raise the other side up as they would sail and turn. You know, that's I've always just thought that was the coolest thing with boats, and and I love the way his boat behaves and well, how gonna, tricked out he has it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna jump in because I'm gonna. I, I agree. That's exactly what I've got. The Mariner's Trimaran. I love this boat. I love all the cool, surprising things it does. All the like the way they've got the seats on the side so they can mm-hmm. tilt it. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and all this leverage stuff. I just I get a kick out of it, man. They, and they built two of those. They're both still at sea. Oh, they're, really? They're functional boats. There are, they've got, I, I, saw, I found photos from like 2013 and 15 of somebody still out sailing one of the, the Mariner's trimarans. Huh, wow. Cool. That's awesome. All right. So I guess my best, you know, this actually holds up scene. Um, even though I know the, the CG isn't what it is now. I love the scene with the digitally created Denver. All right. So when he takes Helen down and, you know, this city and, and, and based on what I, I, I was looking at, it's supposed to be Denver, Colorado. So it, oh, makes yeah. sense. it makes sense. It's above it's over 5000 miles above sea level. So that makes the little improvised diving bell seem a little bit more believable. You know, I was worrying about water pressure and all that kind of stuff as they were going down. But, you know, maybe they aren't going down that far in terms of of how deep everything goes. So I really like that scene because to me, that was the only place that maybe a little bit of the science still holds up. Um, (laughs) You know, and, and, and... Dry land, I think, was supposed to was it supposed to be the the Rockies or something like that? Was what was left of the Rockies? I couldn't figure out if it was the Rockies or the South Pole. I thought it was supposed to be the South Pole because they said the poles had flipped and they'd went north, and so I think it was supposed to be Antarctica. Okay, I I could not, you know, I thought it was also, and then I thought I'd read somewhere that it was supposed to be like you know the the Rockies, those highest peaks that were still surviving. The Rockies, the Himalayas, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all just put more thought into it than the writers did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to make it work. <laughs> well, you know, I'm making it, make it a work for that C minus. of all of the things that that does hold up, um, you know, not necessarily in this movie, but one of the things that does and has held up is our Keanu Reeves and getting better with age, not something we could possibly say for this movie. He has definitely done. But, you know, there has to be a through line. There has to be an evolution connection to our Keanu in Waterworld. Jamie, where does that happen? Okay, there is a Keanu connection this time. Um, So this actor began his career as an acclaimed writer-director whose first film was an iconic movie, that captured the mood of an entire generation. His career after that gets weird. Um, There are so many terrible B-movie roles that I wanted to make a joke about it, 
but it just there's so many of them that it kind of felt mean so i restrained myself (laughs) (laughs) however to people my age he is most fondly remembered as the bad guy in a ton of 90s flicks he played king koopa in that travesty called super mario brothers (laughs) and there were so many of these i misremembered him as the pyromaniac guy in background (laughs) he wasn't that guy it was donald sutherland (laughs) <laughs> but before he was the Deacon of the D's in Waterworld, Dennis Hopper co-starred with Keanu in Speed as, of course, the oh, bad guy. Yep, it was right. the 90s. He that's was the right. bad guy in Speed. Yep. And that is our Keanu connection. Okay. Well, I know earlier you were telling me that it was quite obvious, and I could not place it. I had forgotten. <laughs> yeah, he was there. So yep. that is our Keanu connection. <gasps> All right, so our uh, our next quest, now that we're done being mean to Waterworld, which I know it's not a good movie. I genuinely like it. Um, but our next quest, <laughs> maybe this is my Flash Gordon. It's my blind spot. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but no, our next no, quest, no football in this one, though, Jamie. <laughs> thank goodness. Um, <laughs> just water skiing that I get a kick out of. Um, but our next quiz is another one of my picks. And this is not one, another one of our tap dancing, sort of like, <laughs> there's no news. Let's figure something out. Our, our and uh, so we just were, you know, casting around and looking at Amazon. And I saw a quiet place there. And somehow I haven't seen that movie. As much as I love John Krasinski, as much as I love post-apocalyptic movies, uh, I haven't seen it. And so I'm really pumped to watch A Quiet Place talk about it with you guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely jazzed for this. I'm not really a horror fan. I do like some suspenseful movies. I'm not a big fan of the gore, uh, just for gore's sake. But uh, yeah, this is a movie that seems like it's got some thought in it and kind of some suspense without the, the unnecessary gore. Yeah. So yeah, as like Jamie said, this is available on Amazon Prime. So go check it out uh, before uh, our next episode drops and enjoy a quiet place with us as Jamie. What are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to keep our masks on as we keep it nerdy. 